0: now listening to the Film Situation Podcast. All and right. We're so pleased to have Tone Tank on the Film Situation Podcast.
1: So, thanks for having me, man. I'm happy to be here.
0: Appreciate it, Tone. Do me a favor. Just hold this mic super close. Sure. Almost. If it feels too close, then that's probably the right, right. distance. How's that? That's perfect. All right. All right. So I guess tell us a little bit about yourself. My name's Tone Tank. I'm a native
1: New Yorker. Artist first, musician, everyone, rapper, and actor was like the latest thing I did. But that, that came into the mix later. I think, how old were you when you started acting? I was in my 20s already, man. I, I was maybe my 30s even.
0: Yeah. To be honest. I think yeah. I first saw
1: you in Newly Weeds. That was the first time I acted. Really? Yeah, that was the first time I acted. Yeah. Well, Ever on film or anything?
0: Yeah, I was. You can actually pivot this up. Sorry, I know it's a little annoying. How's that? Perfect.
1: Yeah. So that's how I actually got into. It, it it came about real organically.
0: Like, how'd that come about?
1: I had met Shaka King, who uh now is directed the director Judas in the Black. Yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. A bunch of other shit.
0: Which, by the way, that was incredible. I yeah, really love the film. Just, so we're, we're going to get to that. In a yeah, few- for
1: sure. But uh, I met him back in '04, when I was about 24. He's roughly the same age. I think he was a film student at the time. And uh, How did you guys link up? I knew I was making rap. I was making rap for a long time. And uh, my group that I was in used to do shows with a group that he grew up with, a group of kids that he grew up with. He actually used to produce beats. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that about him.
0: I met Shaka at the Newly Weeds, uh, one of the screenings for Newly Weeds. At uh, I think it was at the IFP Center in Brooklyn, and Hassan Johnson was there. It was a screening of the movie that was in Brooklyn. You sure, it wasn't at BAM. It was near BAM, but it wasn't at BAM. It was at this place called the IFP on okay. J Street in Brooklyn.
1: Because we did one of those at BAM too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a I few was there screenings. For that one. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, uh, and Chaka seemed super cool. Like, I was talking to him for a few minutes, and he seemed like a very down-to-earth kind guy. of guy. He's a yeah. great
1: guy, great soul. So anyway, I met him. He knew about the music we were making, and he did a couple of videos for us over time. Me and him became friends first, and then he did a couple of rap videos for us. And on one of these rap videos, it was called 40s. It was for a song called 40s that me and my my other groupmate, Scott Thurrow made. He was a producer, and we worked together a lot, me and this guy, Scott Darrow. He's also a good friend of Shockers now. He did a video. He did a couple videos, but particularly the video 40s is when we were riding in the car. He was like, yo, I'm writing a film right now, like a full-length feature film, and I got a character for you, because in, in the video for 40s, his whole thing was, like, really natural, man. I think he shot it on a real, like a regular tape camcorder. And it was all about, he was like, yo, I want to go where you grew up in Long Island. And he heard all these crazy stories about where I grew up in Long Island.
0: Which part of Long Island?
1: Linenhurst. Okay. Linenhurst. South Shore. Suffolk County. Western Suffolk County. So he's, I want to film where you grew up and I want you to show me these different spots and we drive around, tell me where shit happened and what happened. And it was just a lot of spots. They were like endless spots, endless stories.
0: Or what's one of them?
1: One of the stories, the spots were like, yo, when we were kids, we used to have buddies factories, we would have these fucking parties. They're not even abandoned factories. They just close out on Friday night, and they're not open till Monday. And we'd have these, were like, dead-end streets. We'd have, seriously, like, out of movies, a fucking garbage can in the middle of the street with a fire. It yeah. was, like, 40s and everything, and fights and girls. And that was my introduction to alcohol <laughs> at, at the age of 13, man. And, and it was, like, the missing piece. For a while, that shit was the missing piece before it backfired. After a while, backfired yeah. early, but backfire know,
0: at the dumpster fire.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I'm like, I caught a fucking beat in over here in this place, a bad one. That's where I had my first fight right there. I seen somebody get kicked by fucking five carloads of people. Where like a carload kept coming up. Yeah, get a bunch of guys got out, beat this guy, got back in the car. Another car pull up, get out. Beat, it was the crazy shit I ever seen. Yeah, and. and it was really like real big for me because I, I was tripping on acid. And so I'm seeing this happen. And these are like, this was between older kids. I was still, at this time, I was like 16, 17. And these kids were like, yo, everybody was on steroids out there, man. It was terrible. Everybody was on steroids. Yeah. And they, so you had all these people were like huge. They were like the size of the grown men. They were probably like 19 to 20. And you're just seeing this pop off, and I'm on acid, and I'm just like, and this is gonna happen to us right now." Even though I wasn't with the kid, it happened to. I just happened to be seeing it, but it was that type of this, shit always happened. Just stand and watch something happen. Next thing you involved,
0: it. yeah. Those kind of dust ups, myself,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yo, I start having a little bit of what they call a bad trip.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. I'm like,
1: Oh, I just seen somebody catch the worst beat, I've ever seen somebody take. And then you're and,
0: witnessing it on a metaphysical level. And I'm not
1: the same acid that the kid's on. That <laughs> kid is also on. It was a grown ass man. He's a big kid. He was a big guy. And he starts banging on a wall, open a door, but there ain't no door, bro. It's just bricks. Yeah. And uh, yo, so I'm like, yo, that's just going to happen to me. And uh, yo, I think I'm booked down a block. And the funniest thing, man, I never fucking ran. From a fight. I've got my ass kicked a lot of times. And I was, there's been times where I really hope this shit doesn't happen, but I never physically fucking ran. Yo.
0: It's an unwritten rule.
1: There wasn't even a thing happening, but I was tripping so hard. I was like, no, this is bong. I you shot, just booked it. I booked like a half a block. That's
0: probably the smart thing to do. And then
1: just- my boy who was tripping with me, freaking grabbed me, threw me against a wall and fucking smacked me. Like snap out of it. And uh, and he wasn't like a big kid or a tough kid or nothing. It was just, he was my friend. He he was like,
0: you're bugging out, chill out.
1: out. And at that moment, yo, there must have been like a yellow light in that alleyway. because Everything turned black and white. Yeah. And then at that moment, I look outside of that alleyway where the main avenue, the main strip, and there was a bunch of hot rods. Yeah. Like Dick Tracy cars driving down a block. Still to this day, I don't know if that shit was something
0: I saw in my head. I know what you're talking like black
1: about black and white Dick Tracy cars. Yeah, maybe it was some old man that belonged to a car club and <laughs> they happened to be driving by. It could home. have been.
0: It no probably was. I bet it was actually there. Yes. I bet it was there.
1: But uh, all through the universe, so you know, there was just <laughs> endless stories like that, and that's what he wanted to know. And then through telling him the stories and, and getting to know my personality. He was like, yo, I got a character for you. And it was the character, Jackie, for Newlyweeds. except he hadn't even finished writing Newly yet. Yeah. Uh, initially. So, so he, he was practically
0: get, writing it for you.
1: He wanted to get the dude, Herc, that played Herc. I forget that. Oh, name yeah, name. yeah. yeah. In the wire. Yeah. And, um, Dominic
0: Lombardozzi, right? He, he,
1: He's awesome. And I'm yeah. like,
0: hey, you should do that. Get, yeah. that. get
1: that fucking guy.
0: He's from uh, my old neighborhood in the Bronx. He- yeah, from Arthur Avenue.
1: Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. You should do that. He's not, we're going with you. I'm to at you. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not an actor.
0: I didn't live on Arthur Ave, but my dad had a business there. So I was always there. I spent so much time in that neighborhood. Yeah. Actually, my wife's from that neighborhood. Did you
1: see him around there? You no, didn't...
0: but I knew people that knew him, like my cousin Vic that I was mentioning before, he knew him. Right. My 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 friend Paul, like a lot of people knew him. My friend Rob Dama knows him. My cousin Maria knows him. A bunch of people know him. Yeah, good actor. Yeah, man. he's a great actor, yeah.
1: Seen him in something recently, too. I forget what it was. Not that long ago.
0: Yeah, he's got... The Wire was fantastic. That was, And then he was in Entourage. He's been in a bunch of movies at this point, too. He was in The Bronx Tale, too. He had a small part in The Bronx Tale. I well, see, I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah.
1: But oh, yeah. And then that's what we did. We did with newly weeds. And I really was against the idea of me doing it because I understand how much a music video costs. Right. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So I'm like, and I understand what happens if somebody doesn't get all the footage they need and the shit is wrapped. Yeah. Yo, your project is trash. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I don't want to be the reason. That your oh, project is film. trash if if I don't if I can't do it, man. I never acted, but the thing about Shaka is he's very confident in his decisions,
0: and he stood by that decision and it, ended and it up worked out. A, yeah, it ended up being a great thing for me, man. Did he was he so it, I know it went to Sundance. Was he surprised that it went to Sundance? Was it like a big surprise, or did he think it was there was a good chance of it going to Sundance? I was. Yeah,
1: I was surprised. I yeah, because that's like, a big
0: deal. That's yeah, going to Sundance. Is, I mean, I it's almost like
1: surprised. Oh,
0: but that's I, that's like the Super Bowl of independent film. Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't know how he felt about it. But I was surprised, not because I, I didn't think it was good or anything. I don't know if I'd seen it at that point, but just that. Yo, we're going. To, he called me up. Yo, we're going to Sundance. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was that was a, a beautiful thing, man. I had a great time out there.
0: Oh, so you went out there, too? Year, oh, yeah. cool. Dope.
1: Had a great time out what there. What year
0: too. was that? Was like 2011, 2012-ish? 2013.
1: 2013, yeah. 2014, That maybe. makes sense, yeah. Nah, 2013. 2013. Yeah. 2013 makes more
0: sense. Yeah, because I guess that's the year later on in that year is when I met him.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and then uh, Hassan we, Johnson. We yeah. had a
1: ball. Yeah, he was out there on Sunday. Oh, he week, went there, he, too? We all hung. He's a cool he's, guy. He's a very cool guy. He's a lot of fun. We had a good time. Like yeah. a bunch of New Yorkers loud-ass New Yorkers in Park City, Utah.
0: Hassan Johnson was in The the Wire and played WeeBay. Yeah. And for those that aren't familiar with the show, please get familiar with that show because that's that that was a a game-changing show. Wonderful fucking show. And there's this sequence. It's funny because right before I met him, I was driving my car, and I was thinking about the scene in The Wire where WeeBay is taking... Like all those murder raps. Like he's already in prison forever and ever. Spoiler alert. Right. And he's taking all these murder raps for, and you could tell for stuff that he didn't do, but just because they're like unsolved and yeah. he's making deals in there. And it's just such a great scene. They're like, Did you do this one? He's like, Yeah, I did that one. I did that one too. He's like, If you buy me some french fries, I'll tell you about some more that I did. It was something along those lines. And I was telling them that I was like, It's funny. I met you because. I was just thinking about that scene. He's oh, it's funny you mentioned that scene. because I just put that in my demo reel or whatever yeah. the other day. So, yeah, he was super cool, too, when I met him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good dude, man. Good dude. Man. Yeah. I just saw him the other night, and uh, he had a part in uh, that new show called This Fool. It's yeah. got Michael Imperioli. It, it's on a Hulu. Oh,
0: I think for- I heard about it. Yeah. Was it a good show?
1: Yeah, it's fun. So far, I'm only on a second episode. It's fun. Yeah. It's lighthearted. Yeah. That's the thing, man. I don't even watch fucking movies anymore. We were talking about movies. I always end up watching shows. Like, yeah,
0: there's series. a lot of good series, man. Yeah,
1: there's so many series.
0: So I used to be strictly cinema back in the day. Like 10 years ago, you'd ask me, I was almost like a snob about that. No, I just watch movies. But now it's goddamn, like TV is really, it's Breaking Bad, like The Wire, The Sopranos, Breaking Bad. Those were like pioneering shows right. that leveled up television. There'd been other shows even before that. But, but, yeah, especially in the last ten twelve, thirteen years, it's really it's really stepped it up where the quality has just gone exponential,
1: basically making those instead of movies a lot honestly, of a
0: lot of times they are. That's I what's going on in the industry goes
1: into these shows and then goes into movies. More thought goes into these shows and go into a lot of movies,
0: yeah, there's character arcs that could extend yeah, for a long period of time. What series have you been watching have you been do you watch the Bear? Have you seen that? Nah. You haven't seen The Bear? Nah, what's that? Okay, so I think it might be up your alley, bro. It's on Hulu, and it's about this guy that inherits a restaurant. It's a young guy. It's, like, just a hole-in-the-wall, Philly cheesesteak kind of place, but in Chicago, and I guess it's called the Chicago Beef. I guess that's something popular in Chicago Beef. beef. Chicago Beef. So his brother, who's played by... God, how the fuck do I forget this guy's name? He's such a good actor. The dude, he's from he played in the he was the punisher and he was in wolf of wall street he's in so many things but great actor like he plays the older brother but the older brother's dead already and he leaves his restaurant to his younger brother now his younger brother was studying to become a classic chef and he was working like in new york city at some like high-end three michelin star kind of restaurant like super fancy place and now he's inherited his brother's hole in the wall place that isn't Older brother never even let him work in that place. Right. And the whole show is about him trying to turn this place around and trying to make it from this down and out. It's about to go out of business, like dingy spot, until all the workers there are, like, proud of where they work. And all the drama that kind of unfolds, but it's such a it's such a good show. Really good show. The acting and the writing and the cinematography, it's all just it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, now I want to freaking... I want an Italian beef sandwich. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think I've ever had an Italian they don't beef. Have sandwich. Them here. They I mean, only have them in Chicago.
1: Uh, there's probably a couple places that has them because a novelty or whatever.
0: What What's better, a Philly cheesesteak or a Chicago beef sandwich? I
1: don't. I only had it once, man. Oh, okay. I only had it once. Yeah, was it memorable? Yeah, shout shouts to my boy, my long lost cousin Danny Flanagan out in Chicago, who took me to some spot. It's a famous a shout spot. out
0: to Danny Flanagan. It
1: begins with a P. It's like a chain out there. Yeah, it was solid man it was solid
0: john bernthal is the actor that plays the older brother okay how the how did i forget john bernthal's name he's, he's such a great actor so versatile
1: oh now Ah, hard that's what i was talking about it's hard to go on a podcast talking about movies i can't remember shit anymore and all i watch is series and yeah. i barely remember the fucking names of the series like whatever series i'm on that's what i remember and yeah. i forget which ones did you watch? I watched so much shit. Yeah, man. yeah. The last thing I watched was The, the Crowded Room, man. Was that good? <laughs> Solid, man. I've heard Solid. of it, but I haven't seen it. Really well done, man. Is really it like well.
0: hour-long episodes?
1: Yeah, 40-something, man. Yeah. That's the nice.
0: Bearer is good because it's 30-minute-long episodes.
1: That's cool.
0: I like it that's because cool. it's, you could just... I'm not a big binger, honestly. Like, I'll watch, like... My wife binges more than I do. Like, I like to watch... Like,
1: yo, that's what I was going to say, man. How... I was going to ask you if you were married because you said you're not a big binger. So I'm like, are you married?
0: Because
1: I didn't binge like that till I was married. and Yeah. So you got the food out. You got yeah. The, yeah. The a screen. little bit
0: like, yeah. Like
1: that actually you've watched three fucking episodes. Yeah,
0: like- we could do that. I like doing that. But also we have kids and then sometimes yeah. by the time we actually end up throwing something on, it's already so late that it's so It's I'd rather watch an episode like one episode and then the next night another episode. You know? sometimes yeah. if it's like the right sort of circumstance sure we can I don't get
1: that i binge i don't like it <laughs> uh, i like it doing it but it i don't have time for that shit yeah nah, i got this is a time thing things i need to get done yeah man i got my own moves to make exactly make man a mark on, on this place so are you
0: still doing the music and stuff
1: the music I don't want to say I'm not doing it, but I'm not really focused on that right now. Right now, I'm doing a lot of visual art shit. Oh, okay, cool.
0: What kind of visual arts kind of stuff?
1: Uh, Like 3D, a lot of 3D printed stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a cross between design, like graphic 2D design and sculpture. Sometimes casting mold, sometimes 3D printed, like I said. And a lot of it ends up, I do like... Illegal installations in the street. Empty fire boxes, the red yeah. fire alarm boxes. When they're empty, I'll put like a marble, like mausoleum style. Oh, that's cool. Or like Space
0: and- Invader kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. yeah, To where it's a, it's not paint on a wall. It's right. A
0: it's like a tile or something. That is yeah. Now, now it's, a, yeah, you're physical. talking about actual three-dimensional. Yeah. That's pretty dope.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm on right now. I don't know. It's just what's. I do what speaks to me in the moment. And that's the thing I like about art over film, just as an individual, is I don't need a whole team of people and I don't need to borrow a bunch of money to make (laughs) art. And then I don't have to go get a bunch of people to either click a link to watch something or to fill a theater to go see the thing either. I like doing it. It's not
0: directly based off commerce.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love acting. I love acting, but I don't have that much of a control of when I get the opportunity to do so. I That's why I like the art.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a valid point.
1: And to me, all of them things like fill the same.
0: They fill that same creative desire. Yeah,
1: exactly, man. I, well, I, what I like about it is, you,
0: it. like, you're doing something that's in your power, in your control, instead of saying, hey, I'm waiting for the phone to ring. You're saying, hey, I'm going to go out and make something happen, make something creative happen, yeah. get that kind of... Yeah,
1: man, and you never know where shit comes from. Like I said, the the acting thing came to me through the music. Yeah. So, you are know, doing creative shit, man, you're going to be around creative people. And I don't even mean in a networking sense. Like, as long as I'm doing something creative that's going to put me in the room with other creative people that I respect. I'm happy, man. And it th- we don't have to be doing the same thing. And it doesn't have to be something that benefits my career or benefit. I just enjoy people who solve. I even, even not just creative, but I like people who like to solve problems Yes, and solve creative problems. Uh, creative people happen to be pure in the way that they solve problems. Cause they're probably not, most of them are probably not going to make a lot of money
0: doing so. Well said, man. Yeah. I was just talking about this on the podcast last night with a guest about just how filmmaking is problem solving. Yeah. And I always tell that to the film students that I mentor and it's just my philosophy about filmmaking. Filmmaking is synonymous with problem solving. And I guess most creative endeavors, right? Yeah. And I, I love that aspect of it.
1: Yeah, man. You, you have to tell a story and you have to tell it in a way that's
0: unique enough
1: To where somebody wants to watch it and it's not just the same thing over and over. Yeah.
0: But I just saw this guy's movie. He was on the podcast, this director named Nicholas Maggio, and he made a movie called Mobland with John Travolta and Kevin Dillon. And it was like a really small independent film, but he got these name actors and it just got released in theaters a couple of days ago yeah, and, but they shot it in a crazy amount of small time, like eleven days for a feature. That's insane. That's insane. I don't even know how that's, yeah, that's possible. Nuts. It's not, but he pulled it off, actually. yeah, that's insane that is insane. I can't do that. I'm like shooting a short film right now that's like taking eleven days yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or more. <Yeah. laughs> it's a short.
1: yeah, that's why I never made films myself is uh, I just I think about how much fucking money. How much shit has to go? Yes. There's so many variables in the film. There's so many because variables. Never,
0: uh, and each hour that passes, each minute is just, it's like money just being burned.
1: Yeah, man. Got to give it up to uh, the producers on set that keep that shit going. All right, guys, we got to move. We got to get the next shot. It's
0: yeah. Amazing. Yeah. How many, do you know how many days Newlyweeds took to shoot? I'd have to ask Shaka if he ever comes on the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I guess we'll talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. That... So I I put that on... Maybe I watched it a few months ago, actually. Like, pretty recently. And I really didn't have any expectations, honestly. I had watched Newlyweeds before that. So I wasn't sure what the... It's a time period piece movie. But it fucking blew me away, man. And I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not quick to say that. Like, I, I was... I was like, holy shit, this is a great movie. It man. was a great movie. It was really, it really something. Is. Yeah.
1: It really is a fucking powerful movie. Yeah. Man, you know? Yeah, man, I'm not saying that because you had me in it. No, I. coolly had me in it, and I got my little shine or whatever. And But nah, man, it's a powerful fucking movie. Really powerful movie.
0: Yeah, it's definitely one of the best films I've seen of the past five years, for sure. And I might be wrong, but I think he did Newly Weeds, and then he did that movie. Yeah, yeah I mean,
1: that's it was that's A lot of shit work going in, but to go Newly Weeds, which is cool, but it was yeah. like a Sundance, goes right? Small and indie then Sundance. Movie, that's powerful history piece. That's
0: why I didn't political, have political, right? Politically charged in a way that wasn't heavy, like it. It was in a way that wasn't. It's easy to make a movie feel like a piece of propaganda. It wasn't like that. It was a really nuanced kind of film that deals with sort of the
1: great... Daniel's Fred Hampton speeches had me pumped up, man. That shit, he was fucking... That shit went hard, man.
0: It was incredible, man. And um, it was an exponential leveling up of, yeah, filmmaking. It was like, wow, this guy's got the chops.
1: Just because you got the opportunity doesn't mean you're going to... Take that opportunity and do well with it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And he did.
1: I was fucking.
0: He pulled it off. Big time. Uh,
1: so impressed and so psyched. Yeah.
0: And uh, I actually want to watch it again. I think
1: the most interesting thing behind the scenes thing that I saw was the set. Yeah. The set.
0: How do you run the set? The scene
1: that that I was a part of is the set that I saw. I didn't see none of the other Right, sets. right. But it's the Black Panther headquarters. Yeah,
0: and, and you, you played had, one of the officers outside. Yeah, basically
1: they had that whole block rented.
0: Yeah, they had a close and a closed off.
1: Shot in Cleveland because apparently Cleveland in 2019 looks like Chicago in 1968. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, and yeah, man, it was real wild. The set was amazing. I I, I couldn't. Set made it easy. Yeah, set made
0: it easy. When you say the set made it easy, I guess elaborate on that a little bit, like just the whole environment of like how he made the whole ambiance of the whole situation, like you felt immersed into kind of yeah. the situation in a way where it felt naturalistic you're for world. you. You're yeah, in you're world. in that world. Yeah, yeah,
1: you're in that world. It was a character. The it set itself was a character. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's something I I thought about a lot because environment is so important. Like. Part of your job as a director is to create an environment. And it's a tricky thing, man, because with the crew, it's almost like indie filmmaking. You're, It's almost like you're running a military operation or like okay. a bank robbery. It's every, it's so intense and it's, you're on such a compressed amount of time and you have to do all these things. But with your actors, they can't feel that way. They don't want to feel like it's like a military operation. Okay. And that scene... Excuse the pun there, because that's a the scene was a little bit involving that. But in in a general sort of way, you you know what I'm saying? They don't want to feel like they're in a rush and it's they've got to do this in the next five minutes.
1: But sometimes that's the reality. That is the reality. You know? Sometimes.
0: And hopefully, they're professional enough to just
1: know that
0: this. That's the situation. To do. That's the situation at you know, hand.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Not everybody has the luxury of being six months on set for a Ridley Scott movie. Or two years on set for a Stanley Kubrick movie.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. Most of us are not important enough to warrant that amount yeah. of time. It's
0: eleven days on set for Nicholas Maggio's movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> and he did. I was like, man, you must have done crazy long days. He said, no, we just did 12 hour days. I was like, wow. I don't even know how. I don't even know. How. I can't even I I can't even wrap my head around that one. I wonder how many days he had. Do you know how many days Shaka had to have on Judas? It had to be at least thirty days. At right? least, yeah, at least because it's like a time period piece movie, and yeah. it's it was pretty epic in scope. There was a lot, there was a lot involved in that movie. Like it didn't feel like a small budget film.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. It, it was yeah. Warner Brothers. Center. Yeah, yeah, it didn't
0: felt like a big budget thing.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what the budget was, but I know it wasn't small budget. It, it, yeah. Um,
0: I think that's the thing uh, that surprised me because I was like I had seen Newlyweeds and I, I had him as like a indie filmmaker. And so then when I watched that film, I didn't realize the scope of it was going to be as big as it was, even though I knew it's like a time period piece movie.
1: Indie, I, I remember having this conversation when it came to like rap music, when it would be like indie rap. Yeah. And I'm like, do you mean... Indie rap could be two things. It could be like action it could Bronson. Be a or contractual could... status. Yeah. yeah. He's an independent rapper. He doesn't yeah. have a real contract, or right. it's a small label. Or it could be a sound. Like, yeah, it sounds like indie rap. Some people it's just contractual style. Statu- yeah, indie 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 film. I like, get a major indie film label. could
0: be pulp fiction, which is like a, a big budget indie film right. back in the day, or it could be stylistically. Yeah.
1: Stylistically, that's indie, but contractually that's not indie. Maybe he's one of them people. That just he wasn't an indie filmmaker. He just happened to not have a fucking major deal, <laughs> and then you give yeah. him the major deal, and then give him the resources, and he's able to do this thing.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. posing
1: the question. I'm not speaking.
0: No, it's it's a good question, and it's his own
1: human. That's my boy, but I I can't speak for him on that. But I'm just saying maybe that's what it is. Sometimes indie is by uh, out of necessity, not but like a not a creative choice.
0: What like, is his directing style compared to other directing styles like or maybe you could talk about different directors that you've worked with and some of the different directing styles that you've come across
1: making me think now you're making me try to remember shit now <laughs>
0: <laughs> like is Shaka somebody that does a lot of takes is he somebody that gives a lot of notes after your performances tweaks things in in front of everybody, does he whisper to you just one on one?
1: Yeah, with me at least. Or the, the I can only speak on what what I've been a part of. He's, we'll be doing a scene. He's watching it.
0: It's going fine. That's fine. And then he doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't say that was great. That was no. amazing. You know what? Let's do another one for safety.
1: No, 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 no. He doesn't say anything. You don't know really what he's thinking or not. He's thinking, he's in it, the zone about making sure I feel like something was okay and he's on set, he, he's in the zone. But he will be like, if he's seeing something, maybe it's lacking an energy or maybe he gets an idea, maybe he'll call the other actor over to him and be like, yeah. the next thing I know, we're doing a fucking scene and the guy grabs me where he didn't grab me before and I just react and throw the guy into the wall. Yeah. Or... When for my scene in in Judas and the Black Messiah, for for, he has me playing a cop who's stirring up shit in the neighborhood outside of the Black Panthers headquarters. You know, I'm a white cop in 1968 in Chicago and the movie's about the Black Panthers. So I'm not a good guy. I'm not the protagonist. My job is to tell the story. So... They had written a couple of things already for me to say. And, you know, I'm, get out there. I'm on a megaphone outside of the headquarters harassing the Black Panthers so they could come out and then we could probably egg them on, get them riled up. So then we have an excuse to like bust heads or worse. Right. Is pretty much a situation. And, but yeah, they had me saying some written things. Some things were scripted. They're like, all right. And he's like, tone, why why don't you why don't you just start? There's hundred and fifty extras walking by back and forth. Um why don't you just start making fun of people individually as they walk by? Just off the top, just start fucking with people, start making fun of people. And he knows we, we go back now like 20 years. Uh oh,
0: so you guys to, go way back. I know yeah.
1: how to make fun of people. Yeah, and I'm a ball breaker.
0: Yeah,
1: i uh, gotten better as I got older. But so I said, okay. And yeah, man, I'd start fucking making fun of people. They don't know that's gonna happen, man. Yeah. And it was a couple times I heard from people that were like maybe across the street, the sound people and the people watching on the monitor are looking at each other. Yo, what the fuck? What is happening right now? Yo, what the fuck? Yo, these guys are fucked up. They really like this, or is this?
0: And uh, yo, when we rolled
1: up, it was like racist cops rolled up and took the block. You could cut
0: the tension with a knife for
1: yeah yeah and they were like yo the crew's a lot of different types of folks man and they were all checking with each other like, yo is this okay is this yo we got a fucking job to do man And that's my man this yeah. is his opportunity he asked me to do something i'm gonna fucking do it you know what i mean i'm like you said not to be like a... it is a military situation Right. That's the fucking general right there. You do whatever the fuck he says. Whatever he wants is happening. Yeah. And
0: that's how I think about it.
1: Yeah. And I'm there to make him look good. I'm there to tell the story that he's telling. And yeah, man. And by the reaction of the fucking people on set, we did a
0: pretty good job. Yeah. It was a great film all around. That that scene was impactful and raised the tension. the yeah, in a movie like that, and especially it's historically based, the tension was sky high. And he, and as a filmmaker, for him to have done that, he worked with great actors, and but the script was phenomenal, and just the way he directed the the movie and the cinematography, it was all there. Yeah, fucking
1: great team. Every everybody involved was great, man. Yeah, I chilled with the stuntmen. Yeah, I oh, took the stunt Yeah, those guys are the most fucking fun, man. Yeah. I can imagine. They're, they're the most fun.
0: Shout out to the stunt Yeah, you shout know.
1: out to all stunt how we that's what at the hotel, just hung out the stunt men. There was like 15 of us.
0: How long was were you on set for? How many days?
1: 4. Yeah. I was in Cleveland for 4 days.
0: Yeah. That's a good amount of time. Yeah. yeah nice. Man. What's a, have you uh, are you affected currently by the strike that's going on?
1: Not really. I haven't been working.
0: So. You haven't been working even prior to the strike. You're saying? Not really. No. Yeah.
1: I, I've been done a couple small things or whatever. I don't know. It's weird, man. Since COVID, not the, I'm not making an excuse because people do it and people are still getting booked. Like, part of my thing was when I step into a room, I'm able to control the energy a little bit. If I go in a room and there's a fucking intern running the camera. And then there's the casting director guy. He's standing maybe on on a stool, looking down, and he's also behind the camera. And I know this character is supposed to be a little scary. I know how to put the fucking fear in a group of people like that. Yeah, because they're in the room with me. Yeah, yeah. And that
0: you you feel like some
1: you, that fucking element because it's all safe. Is they during every, COVID they went to self tape
0: everything, went and to the now they're
1: not going back. Man, they're, they're not, not going, going back.
0: back. That's true. I and, can tell uh, you because I haven't gone back yet. I
1: fucking hate it. I hate self tapes. Yeah. I hate it. I, now I got to figure out. I spent more time dicking with the fucking camera, trying to make sure that looks good, that I'm spending an equal amount of time doing that as I am
0: with the performance itself. Yeah, uh, you know what? That makes sense. And it. it's interesting to hear your perspective as an actor from this.
1: I'm sure maybe there's guys who could, like, talk to this cup of fucking coffee as if it's the thing. That's not me, man. I might not even. Everybody
0: has a different process. And there's some major actors that are talented as fuck. Even back in the day, Robert De Niro, did you ever hear that he was notoriously a bad auditioner? Did you know that? Nah, I didn't. Yeah. He was, like, watch actually his audition for Michael Corleone. the godfather i think they have a camera test he auditioned for the role of michael he did yeah and it was it's laughable and and de niro in his heyday man who the hell was better than that yeah you know what i mean taxi driver godfather 2 like like everything he did in the 70s and raging bull era was incredible but he just wasn't he wasn't a good auditioner and I'm sure there are actors out there that are great auditioners and then they're worse. I think that's it's better to be not such a great auditioner and then be better on set than vice yeah. versa. Yeah, to be a yeah. good auditioner and then you choke when you're actually yeah. in the game. But no, it's interesting to hear that perspective because from my standpoint as a director, I've been seeing a lot of reels and actors that don't have reels and they just have a headshot. They're not even getting looked at. Right. You're i'm only looking at actors that have reels and stuff so that gets tricky too because if somebody doesn't even have experience then how do they get the experience yeah yeah i I was
1: lucky with that yeah i was lucky with that
0: but uh, yeah i think everything listen the pandemic kind of fucked me up too because i had a feature film cooking end of 2019 i remember going home to my wife and being like i just met this investor he's really into the movie i was like 2020 is gonna be my year
1: see See, man i never (laughs) said that bro i got the receipts man the end of 2019 i said yo you motherfuckers are all talking about 2020 man 2019 was pretty good for me man i'm down to stay in 2019 (laughs) and uh, i don't know why i said that i didn't know why i said that but 2019 was just good
0: it's a, a good year.
1: year, man. I had a good year. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't see how 2020 is going to be better than 2019. <laughs> Yo,
0: And you were right. You were dead right.
1: Yeah. To one extent. We could talk about that. The fucking. It was also one of the best years of my life.
0: 2020. Yeah. All right, listen, that's like, good that there's a silver lining there.
1: Because the, I'm just going to speak fucking. Sure. Really yeah. Everybody was talking about getting back to normal, getting back to normal normal sucked what the fuck normal this world as is normal sucked i was like, i was like no motherfuckers we got to learn something we got to learn and go back to normal we got to ponder right now everything stopped we could we have a chance to go at this better and all they did was open it up and at first it was just they all only a shit that you hated doing restarted and all the shit you wanted to do, you couldn't do. I had a good time when everything shut down, man. I'm made for the apocalypse, man. I'm like, <laughs> all I want, I just want to live. I want everybody to leave me to fuck alone. I'd love to live on a little piece of land. You can't even do that, man. Yeah, you can't even do that.
0: That's it's funny, expensive
1: man. to live the way people lived in like the 1800s or something, where you chopped your wood. And oh yeah. Even now, you got to be rich to do that. Man.
0: That's true. I think rich. about that absolutely.
1: Yeah. the They took away, not to get ultra, or whatever, but I, I'm that guy. They take away the, ma- the way to grow your own food, the way to make your own food, the way to build your own house and just be your own fucking person. And they sell it back to you. Yeah. At a less, less healthy food, shittier food, yeah. shittier houses. They took away your ability to do these things. Now, what do you know how to do? Send an email. You're going to build a house. Send an I email. think about that. You I... got to do all of these hours doing this shit that maybe you don't want to do. I don't want to fuck. I'll tell you, I don't want to do not, uh, none of these. These, I, I have more beautiful things that I could be spending my time doing than um figuring out ways to earn money. You know what I mean? And, but you have to do these things. They got you. So you have to do all this other art. Like you're
0: on shit. a ham, like a hamster on a wheel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, man. It's just so I psyched. Maybe I thought maybe we had a chance. Maybe, maybe we could like reevaluate this whole shit while it shut down and come back better. Yeah. And I think people did start getting in touch with themselves. I think more people started doing side hustles and this and that. More people fucking got political, started protesting and everything became politically active, maybe because they weren't in their office culture where you can't say something that might upset somebody. Yeah, You weren't around these people for nine months. So you start becoming yourself again, man. I think that's part of the reason why they're like, yo, we need to get people back to work, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're starting to think. They're starting to come up with ideas on their own. They're falling out of the office etiquette, right? Uh, which right. very it makes it very easy to just tell people what to do if they're just involved with this office etiquette. You that's know, true even in their personal lives now because everything's online or anything you do you're gonna end up on camera if, if you while out too much yeah think
0: about that yeah so yeah we both came out of the hardcore scene we were talking about that before the podcast we used to go to heart new york hardcore shows yeah and, man and that was a really lively culture back in the 90s into the 2000s how'd you start going to shows how uh, did i and by the way, Nicholas Maggio that was just on the podcast last night, he came from out of the hardcore scene. Like I saw a picture of him on set. He's wearing a hate hate breed shirt and then something oh, like right. side by side or something. And then oh, yeah. we were talking hardcore. It was like, Oh, you're into hardcore? Blah blah blah. He grew my, up, so with you had a, a, a war zone shirt.
1: Warzone. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Rest man.
0: in peace, the rabies. Yeah. I saw that was a great band that I saw yeah. live back in the day.
1: Oh, you're lucky, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I grew up into rap first, man. Rap, yeah, hip-hop, rap, and graffiti. I was into the graffiti. I
0: remember rap. people in the hardcore scene sometimes would know about... I remember even Eminem, a founding out of, before he blew up in a sort of mainstream way from people in the hardcore scene. They're like, I, and they used to call him Slim Shady. They're like, oh, I got this Slim Shady. I saw him
1: at Tramps. At
0: Tramps. There so you go.
1: For MF Doom or Doom Open for him.
0: There you go. And he played at Wetlands, too, I think.
1: Yeah, maybe. I definitely saw him at Tramps. Yeah. I also used to get Tramps at Wetlands mixed up all the time. (laughs) But I definitely saw him at Tramps.
0: Yeah, Tramps is a cool venue.
1: And it's funny. I had had bottles stashed all over that fucking venue that day because me and my boy had beef with these kids that were a little older, these little bit older graffiti kids. And I thought for sure they were going to be there that night. And I'm like, yo, tonight's the night. This is happening. Yeah. And they rolled way deeper than us So I was like, yo, we're just gonna get our asses beat tonight But we're gonna, we gonna fucking hit them with as many bottles as possible, man And yeah, that luckily that didn't happen I didn't even fucking see con- Most of the concert I couldn't concentrate on Because I was so thinking that the beef what, was MNF, gonna pop off
0: Eminem Tramps Yeah MF Doom And Doom and,
1: yeah. yeah, I remember the dude All the outsiders were there Like Pace One And, and, and that whole crew Because he was with them Yeah, that was a good show, man.
0: MF Doom passed away a few years ago,
1: right? Yeah, man. Rest in peace. That's one of my favorite of all time, man. Talented guy. Well, One of my most favorite of all time.
0: Yeah. And shout out to John Vogel, who is the star of the movie The Trouble. My former roommate. He had a big MF Doom fan. John Vogel is.
1: Oh man. Yeah. I got to check that out now.
0: The Trouble? Yeah, The Trouble. You could watch it for free on 2BTV, and it's also on Amazon
1: all right cool i'ma see it that's a cool right there shouts to that in advance yeah yeah but anyway the rap got i don't know man i i wasn't into i'm not gonna lie at first i was just so in a mindset that i was only into rap and i was only into it was more like that
0: back in the day yeah i think that's what i noticed with some of the younger generation they're a little bit more they mix it up a little bit more than, like, our generation. Like, yeah. when we were in high school, for example, kids were, like, if you were into rap, you were into rap. If you were into, like, alternative, right. you were into alternative. Like,
1: until I really saw the similarities. Hardcore. New York
0: hardcore. New York hardcore, particularly. And then
1: I got into other stuff. And then I became way more open-minded. Okay, exactly. I, Once you love music, stuff. that
0: usually happens. If you love music enough, then you usually branch out. Because, because you, you'll go
1: with the day. What did these bands listen to? What did to? they listen to? Well, Because especially in hardcore, there was so many bands covering songs and you're like, wait, that wasn't their song? That was a song, oh no, that was like a song the, yeah. by, a, by an Oi band from England and, and, yeah. and now you're listening to Oi music. Yeah.
0: That uh, came out of the Oi scene, man. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so anyway, man, I saw, what I saw in hardcore was ground level shit. Like, Dudes that were getting respect and they kind of, like I went to a school where I was like the only white kid in the school and I had a great, I had a great time. I had a beautiful time. I had a wonderful time, man. But after that, after going there, I grew up in the hip hop and everything. Something about it just made me want to look into my own.
0: <laughs> just branch out. This, this is a...
1: Nah, this is a sticky thing. You may need to edit it or whatever. I don't yeah. know. I was around this other culture so much and I was so dove into that culture that a little bit after that, when I was introduced to hardcore, I was like, yo, these motherfuckers get respect. And for the most part, it was a lot of white kids. Even though in New York, all those white kids turned out to be like half Spanish or just Spanish. But I was like, yo, these these fucking white dudes get respect. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to say. Is like seeing like White dudes that got respect in the street, and they weren't like guidos They weren't like mobster guys. These are like right, street right, right. dudes like yeah. they're hanging out, legit
0: street dudes for sure. Like
1: in some cafe and rolling up. In like- they
0: weren't like- wannabes of something else. You're trying yeah. to say
1: these dudes are the real deal, yeah. and I, I just like, and I could relate.
0: Yeah,
1: I could relate to that. Yeah, in 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 a way that almost I couldn't relate. Hip hop had like my heart. Yeah. you know what i mean and i related it to that shit on, on a soul level but on uh, on the physical level the hardcore shit just made sense to me
0: you, you know seem I mean? yeah and you seem I, plucked right out of the hardcore on it, it, it,
1: level, that shit made sense to me yeah and and my boys put me i i, I was friends with a lot of kids I, I i got fucked up with a lot of kids yeah. drinking and, and, and partying with a lot of dudes that were in the hardcore and it these kids got me into it later. I'd say I was like 16, 17. Yeah. By the time I started getting into were it, were
0: you going to shows in Long Island and stuff?
1: No, yeah, honestly, that much. I went to my fair share of shows,
0: but like mostly in Manhattan and stuff. Yeah. You we were man. probably at the same shows, man. Do you used to see like Madball and bands like that, Scarhead. <laughs> all those kind of bands? Yeah. Pro Magsas, EBGBs, when they were like Age of Quarrel and all the, those kind of shows. Honestly, <laughs>
1: I think one of the first, took 96, 97, 98, I think the first like big fucking show I went to was the Super Bowl of Hardcore in D.C., and it was either in, I think it was in 99 or the year 2000. Yeah. And we drove down, me and like my best friend Mel, uh, this Turkish kid, Mel, he was like a first-generation American. This is my brother to this day, you know what I mean? I have a lot of friends, but that's my fucking brother right there call him up in the middle of the night, he could call me up in the middle of the yeah. night. Like that type of friendship. And we rode down to D.C. to see the Super Bowl of Hardcore where we saw, yeah, I saw Bad Brains and cro before, but we drove down there and saw the Bad Brains in D.C. Yeah, that you know makes, what man, I mean? amazing. And we got to see Iron
0: Cross. Oh, Iron Cross from D.C., yeah. Yeah, yeah. play
1: Crucified yeah. with the Agnostic Front. yeah. And unfortunately, fortunately, depending, unfortunately, because it was a human being. But I guess some bonehead skinhead got yeah. himself stabbed.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, During the song Crucified. Yeah. Which is ironic.
0: That is ironic.
1: And so I came really, I wanted to see the Bad Brains in D.C., man. I had already seen them in New York. And I sat through 20 fucking bands. The only other bands, it was cool. I saw Murphy's Law there. Ignostic Front, Iron Cross. I was really psyched. That's amazing. Yeah, Not many I love Iron Cross. Get to see, get to say they saw Iron Cross.
0: I saw them at CBGBs, or it must have been around that same leg of the tour with AF, with Ignostic Front, and then I saw them again in New Jersey, like South Jersey, fucking like at Ad- Asbury Park, and that was amazing. Actually, yeah, yeah.
1: I know the South Jersey shit yeah. could get hairy with the Oi bands because so we ended up getting a little- to a
0: beef out there, but that was. It was more of a punk show. It was like the holidays in the sun festival and yeah, bad ball was I, I, playing, but God. the exploited was playing. There were so many bands playing.
1: I seen them too. I seen the exploited too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man. So long story sure. short, I went down there to see the fucking bad brains play in DC.
0: And it was amazing. It blew you away.
1: They were three songs in the whole club. Got the club was called nation. Yeah. It, it was huge. You're like, there was a floor, and then there was like a tier, a second-floor tier that just went around the whole thing, like in a prison movie or something. Yeah. And um, I actually saw the commotion of the the guy get stabbed from up top. I was on the second tier. And what's it called? So we sat through all these fucking bands, and two songs into Bad Brains. The police are on stage, and the whole club got shut down. Because it was a crime scene. Wow. Somebody got stabbed. Yeah. Didn't even, get, didn't even, die. He didn't die. I don't think he died. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The hardcore scene back in the day.
1: Yeah, fucking DC. DC had a vibe to it, man. DC.
0: I never went to any shows in DC, but I certainly used to listen to bands from back in the day. So many great bands came out of DC. Minor Threat, obviously. And yeah, the Bad Brains. I think John Joseph. When the crow mags was, was from DC originally or something, But he
1: was in the Virginia area. Now nah, he's from up. No, here. he's
0: from up here. He's the, he was from up here. In and, the military. Or and he went to the, the military down yeah. there and knew those guys from down there or something.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I read his book actually. Yeah, I, I listened was, to it on audio. Yeah, yeah. I listened to it. I listened. To it. it was good. I'm, I'm an Audible's junkie. I listen to a lot of books on Audible. Yeah, yeah. That was a good one. The evolution of a crow mag, right? I think yeah, that's what yeah. it's called. Yeah. So listen, we're. Good going to get to the second portion of the podcast before I'll mention that at the end, I'll let you plug where people could follow along with you at the end, but this is the part of the podcast where we ask each guest, what are two of their favorite movie scenes? You don't have to go super in depth, but I know you mentioned Serpico yes. directed by Sidney Lumet with Al Pacino. Fucking great movie, man. I, you know what? I didn't appreciate that movie when I was younger. Like when I was 17 and I was like, punk rock boy hardcore and i first saw that movie and i was so into the godfather i don't think i had the emotional maturity to appreciate that movie cuz i was like what i was like al pacino is playing this kind of hippie rat cop i i didn't i just didn't understand the movie but then years later god damn this is such a good fucking movie cuz i'm like this guy he wasn't trying to he was just trying to be an honest cop, and just that alone made him quicksand in this whole environment, and like, just because he didn't want to be on the take, it made him like a pariah, and just the act of him being who he was, and trying to be an honest guy, I I have just a different appreciation for the film.
1: That's the main story, right? Yeah. Which, that's a good story. Yeah. But I like the, see, I could personally relate to that
0: of just his character frank serpico who he was like he was definitely a guy who was really comfortable in his
1: wasn't even if he wasn't and i don't know frank serpico the guy but yeah al pacino's frank serpico character that he played even if he wasn't trying to be an honest cop or a dishonest cop even if he was neutral on that wasn't trying to Uncovered the dirt that the whole police force did they still would have fucking hated him and that's the they
0: point would, they would still the hate
1: wait for me with that yeah. movie is they hated him the second he didn't order the roast beef or whatever the support whatever they say
0: but he, he got the, the chicken something. he got <laughs> the he got the roast beef instead of the chicken yeah
1: and everybody looks at him like oh fuck what's up with this guy what's up with this guy can we, can we trust this guy you know what i mean this guy didn't order what we don't you ordered the roast beef
0: you're right
1: like the fact that he was taking French lessons, ah, That guys, weird. he's taking French lessons. What the fuck? Yeah, they hated him They would have hated him anyway,
0: <laughs> even if he was pocketing in the ballet. money. Are
1: you yeah. fucking kidding me? Yeah. And yo, know, another thing, I'm am a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in a labor union myself. I'm a blue collar guy, and I work around a lot of like real, yeah, guys. They could have ended up being cops. It's the right. same attitude. Same, yeah, yeah. So I really, as an adult entering the workforce, being a creative human being. Entertainment, the fucking male-dominated, fucking blue-collar workforce, identify with the character that Al Pacino played, and not because he was such a great guy trying to fucking uncover the dirt at NYPD. No, because he was just a dude that was trying to do something a little different and be himself, and they would have crucified him for that alone. And uh, they would have experienced like, yo, bro, like you could more openly say like. I fucking bang hookers and fucking do
0: blow, um, do all this stuff.
1: Blow, and I, I, you know, cheat on my wife. I do this, I do that. All of this, like, kind of not cool shit, right? Yeah. Or you know, if you're doing that, fine. But it's easy. It's more acceptable to say that than it would be to be like, yeah, I make art.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Right. I, I know. It, it's ironic, yeah. It's- so the scene that you picked out is the scene where. It starts off like where he's taking the ballet lesson. He's doing that ballet dance. What I like about his character is he's just a guy that's so comfortable in his own skin. Yes. Even though he's in that environment, he's totally impervious to it. He's whatever. I'm just me. And that's who I am. So you're right. It is a good character. Al Pacino played it really well. I love the party sequence, too. I
1: like him despite the fact that he was a cop. You know what I mean? Right, right. The fact that he was a cop and that whole thing, that's honestly not even... I don't even think about that And that
0: party sequence depicted that too Because even his girlfriend was like Everybody loves you here
1: Yeah And he's like a fucking He's like a beatnik hippie Yeah man Yeah Also another part of that movie That's my I just like the quote To love a man's garden You gotta love the man Yeah I just love the I As I got older I just related to that character man I just want to kick back He has a little Italian espresso roaster Or he he had a French press and he's
0: In his garden Hanging out
1: A coffee in his rose garden, man. That's what I want to do with my life, man. These fucking guys he worked around with, they played by the rules and the rules are miserable. Yeah. You know, their rules are miserable to be what? Like, it's, and I'm obviously speaking from personal experience. It's like more socially acceptable to be miserable, hateful, angry, fascist, even at times, than it is to care about people, be kind, creative, have a heart. It's frowned upon that's- having dreams Outside of the job is frowned upon Because who the fuck do you think you are To have a dream what are you special You know what I mean yeah um,
0: that's- I could relate to that too man I came from that Kind of blue collar kind of albans or that way um, Oh yeah So I, I think I too, Yeah means- I think I didn't I think I first didn't get into Filmmaking because it felt like A pipe dream so even though I was Taking film classes when I was in high school On the weekends and Going to the School of Visual Arts and shit like that on the Saturdays when my mom had to drive me to the city and me and my friend Mike Reich and my friend Jonah Schwartz, who's actually a filmmaker today. Mike Reich is a filmmaker today as well, but I didn't immediately pursue it. I went to school for business because even though my parents didn't tell me, they didn't say, okay, no, you can't become a filmmaker It just felt, it felt like, no, that's not for us. That's for other people. That's not for us. Exactly. And then I started, like yourself, I started doing blue collar work. I started doing welding. I started, actually, I started doing construction right after finishing college. And I was just miserable, bro. Like I was going to work, busting my ass. And I thought life was all just about making money. And then as soon as I had just a little bit of a taste of really making money, and I was like, this is what I'm chasing. This and then it. I was like, this is, this it. is it. Then that was my question it. that I kept asking. This maybe is maybe it. Maybe you'll
1: get a bigger garage.
0: That's exactly that what I asked myself. Call. Maybe a white picket fence and that's it. Then what? And by asking myself, then what? And I'm like, there is no then what? That's it then. Time will just pass. Yeah. Unless you seize the moment.
1: Yeah. That is a problem. I think a lot of people, the as far even all art, really, nah, this isn't for us. This is for other people. This yeah. Just for kids with money that get to go to... That's unfortunate,
0: man, but... It's easy to fall into your comfort zone. And for everybody. It's easy to
1: fall in line with your class. It's
0: easy to fall into line with your class. And on a bigger level, it's easy to fall in with everybody. The older we get and the more routines people get into. Because it's just people are creatures of habit. You become like, okay, this is my routine. This is my rhythm. This is my gravitational... It becomes like a gravitational pull, like an orbit. You know, and it becomes then so hard to break out of that. That's something I think about a lot is trying to push myself to go out of my comfort zone. Because when you're a kid, everything's outside of your comfort zone. You're starting a new school. It's new this. It's new that. Like, it's new experiences. But the older you get, the easier it is to become in your comfort zone. For most people, I feel like you're somebody that always. I'm push- comfortable in my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. I'm also
1: uncomfortable out of my own, out of my comfort zone. Yeah.
0: You seem like somebody that's pushing the boundaries at all times.
1: But uh. yeah, what happens, man, when you get tired, you get tired from working.
0: Yeah. And, and that's I don't the thing. mean
1: physically do from doing the same thing day in, day out, being around the same. And I, I love some of the guys I work with, but we create an environment that is just a little brutal on, on the psyche. If you're a sensitive person and you're not drowning out with like drugs and alcohol, and I can be I'm in tune. I'm looking for something deeper. I don't give a fuck about sports, to be honest. I like the fights, but that's because, like I can identify with the fights. I find yeah. the fights useful. yeah, um but like another thing, just acceptable. it's acceptable to be you can't be sad cause I don't know. I'm sad. I didn't I didn't do something I wanted to do with my life No. but you could be bummed. The, the fucking Giants lost. You could be real. Right. Opinion, oh, <laughs> they're losing so and so. He got traded. Oh,
0: man. Put money on the game.
1: You could be heartbroken yeah. about that. But like,
0: I lost a G on the game.
1: Yeah. If somebody in your family died. What's been a month? Maybe you should get over that already. You should.
0: Yeah. It's
1: time to move on. Yeah. yeah it's just, true. So the we're tired, man. Like, it's hard to push the envelope when you're tired. It You're is. You're exhausted. Yeah. I got a kid too. I'm yeah. fucking exhausted. How old is though? your kid? Uh almost 3. And he's I, exhausting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's exo- he's yeah, a beautiful. Two. Yeah. Unique, uh Yeah, God bless man.
1: He's already unique. He's his own guy. But he is exhausted, man. And and life is adult life is fucking exhausting, man. I never And <laughs> yes. it sucks cuz you really need the energy when you get older. I, when I was
0: walking over here I saw some dude wearing a shirt that said it looked like a Yelp review it said adulting and then he it read one star it said not recommended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I was like, I, I co-signed on that shirt <laughs> yeah, except that <laughs> to some extent. Like
1: it's cool that you grow as a human and you could think of people besides yourself yeah. and you can take care of people besides yourself. Yeah. That's cool. Cause it's, it's, a very important part of, I think human development is caring for other people. And I think when most people are younger, you're like, what do I want to do? What uh, I know. Where do I want to go right now?
0: Yeah. What was the other film that... Uh, is there any other films that come to mind? Is there even a line or a part of a movie that was like the first thing that comes to mind that's something that like, oh, I like that. And it could be for any reason. There's no... doesn't have to be this grand technical thing. All
1: right. It's easy. It's real subtle. It's not... A, In in The Godfather, after they found out that Marlon Brando got hit, and he's on the phone, Sonny's on the phone. Yeah. He gets the call. He breaks a piece of bread off, dips it in the sauce, and takes a bite. And it's just so relatable to me. Like, us Italians... Uh, emotion and food is its so intertwined together. right yeah and it's just such a i watched that film as a young boy with my grandmother and she, she loved those
0: movies. yeah such a godfather godfather part two is my favorite film of all time yeah godfather i love God the original godfather as well but for some reason godfather part two is just it just goes so in and just i love like how it jumps back they- and forth
1: it's because they go back and yeah time. they go back in yeah. time
0: i just love it so much And
1: then you do get to get your you have your little robert De Niro filled yeah
0: there. yeah and then just like al pacino's character in godfather part two like the way he deals with problems on this just like epic like mobster, but like master strategist <laughs> yeah like level yeah. is really something but yeah the original godfather is incredible man and just yeah i'll be people will say oh what's albanian food like i'm like albanian not like a cuisine culture. It's, it's not a
1: fucking Italian restaurant. Somebody was saying that to me
0: today. Somebody asked me that today at lunch. Like this, uh, actually, this woman from Bay Ridge that I was doing a client job with, she was, she was like, how, how come Albanians open so many Italian restaurants? I was like, I don't have an answer for that. I was like, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I was like, We're geographically not that far. Yeah. Like, like Albania is on the other side of the boot. Like maybe Albanian Catholics and Italians, and there's my, a similar kind barber, of. My barber
1: is yeah. an Albanian. Yeah, uh, and he's always telling me about the we are the same people, the Iliads,
0: the Illyrians.
1: Yeah, yeah. he says the, we are from the same people. I don't know.
0: I used to work for a Sicilian guy, and he used to say that he's. You know what? He's like Italy and Albania. Like many, like he's talking about like ancient prehistoric times. He's there was really a lot of co- common sort of things there. So I've heard it from from. Even Italians actually that have said that, but
1: I've always gotten along well with Albanian people. Not to generalize, but right. generally speaking, seems like the type of thing where, unlike my own fucking people, have become not over there, but it's different in Europe. It's different. Yeah, European Italians, and especially I'm speaking about Southern Italians. Yeah, is different than where's your family from? We became in America. My family's been here for a hundred years, but my family's from Sicily. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm fourth generation American, fourth generation New Yorker.
0: Oh, pretty cool. Um,
1: but I think the thing, and it's the same over there. Maybe Europe in general. Yo, know, the, the, the people are respectful. The people can, if they wanted to, they could be a problem, but they're not really looking to be a problem. Unless you're yeah. doing do it in a disrespectful
0: manner. And I think there's, at least in other countries, and one thing that's sad kind of over here that I think about is there's not enough respect for older people. I feel like everything here is, it's all about the youth and all Whatever. about like looking because young and being young. And then there's something sometimes that gets lost about that because in, in other cultures, and other societies, people have a little bit more respect for the older people, yeah. the elders. They don't look at them like obsolete yeah
1: out of commission not relevant yeah and yeah that's a fucking major problem that's a major that in my opinion comes by the fact that we're a consumer culture
0: that's interesting that's an interesting way to look at yeah matters yeah
1: whatever's not hot doesn't matter yeah being old ain't fucking yeah
0: i always think about like over here popular pop culture is culture the culture over here is pop culture yeah
1: yeah and they say even in our time man like somebody i seen some comedian was talking about yo look at Phil Collins was a pop star and it was like a bald yeah. white man in the yeah. late 40s or something.
0: And he was crushing it.
1: You would never have that today.
0: Yeah. You would never true. have that. You today. wouldn't have You're
1: it. You're going to be a child. Yeah. A child. You have these adults yeah. now. Instead of it being an adult, they're emulating and trying to be like a child. That's a fucking 19, 20 year old. I even I don't even listen to, to be honest with you, I don't listen to hardcore as much as I used to really. Yeah, you started- like, one day it hit me when I was in my thirties. I was like, yo, a lot of these songs are written by 19-year-old kids. It's a youth culture. And that's cool. I've always
0: thought about that. But, all
1: right. Now I'm at the point, like, all right, cool. I was angry for a long personally, I was angry yeah. for a long time. Yeah. So I stopped listening to music that was is maybe aggressive because maybe there's a time for me to not be an angry teenager.
0: I agree. And with to him. be
1: a man. Who, if there's a problem with something, let me try to address this. Right. Let me try to think, use my brain, rather than just be angry, fucking angry and
0: miserable. So... Yeah. yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. Like, I have a respect for it, and I have a love for it. Because when I was young, it was a, such a big part of my life. And it gave me this DIY, kind of do-it-yourself mentality. It gave so, me
1: fucking confidence. It gave me yeah. that confidence, like... That yo, you could get respect. You can take your respect. Yeah, right? yeah. You can make- no,
0: honestly, same here. Because I wasn't when I was in high school. I wasn't the star athlete. I wasn't a fucking scholarly student. But in that scene, I, yeah, you know. But listen, Tone, really great having you on the podcast. Yeah. Where could people follow along with you and support what you're doing? And
1: yeah, I'm on the Instagram at uh, at Tone Tank just at T O N E T A N K. And then uh, my website, which I, I got a lot of stuff on, uh, tonetank.nyc. Nice. I got everything on there the music, so, some good photos of the art, merch, all of that.
0: Nice, man. Thanks. Thanks for being on the podcast, Yo, bro.
1: Thanks for having me, man. Now we're going to go eat some Albanian food. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to the Film Situation Podcast.